Hi, and thanks for downloading this episode of Queer I Am, the podcast. I really hope you enjoy it. This podcast started as a small idea and has turned into a real passion project for me and is something that I wish to continue to make way into the future, but I need your help in doing so. So there is a cost in making Queer I Am, the podcast, and it's something that I funded and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. But if you'd like to get involved and support the podcast by subscribing to Acast Plus, that would be incredible. And if this is something you can't do, no worries at all. I really hope you keep enjoying the episodes and I intend to keep making them for as long as possible. Season three is coming up and you are in for an absolute treat. I am so, so excited. If you'd like to support the podcast, details of how you can do this are in the blurb of the episode you were listening to. And what this also means is you get to listen to all of the episodes of Queer I Am The Podcast, past and future, completely ad-free. So no interruptions whatsoever. What could be better? Anyway, enough of the serious blurb. Let's crack on with the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Okay, do we have a treat for you today? I love nothing more than someone following their dream and making it a reality, and that's exactly what my next guest did last year. The book Brightonians was released in April 2021, and with the second book on the way, I thought it would be a great opportunity to sit down with the author, Darren Kay, to talk about their book, following their passion, and of course, our queer community. So whatever you're up to, this is your time to settle down, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Queer I Am. So, Darren, thank you so much for um, coming on to the podcast today. Thank to you talk for about, having me. Uh, Brightonians and all things queer, uh, which is really exciting. I'm really looking forward to speaking with you today. Um, so, how are you feeling? I'm feeling very well. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying 
Easter holiday so far. Beautiful sunny day in Brighton. Mm-hmm. Brighton at its um, at its best, I think. Yeah. Um, so yes, lovely, lovely beginning to the weekend. Yeah, lovely. And if you had a uh, song uh, to pick that reflected your mood today, what would you pick? Oh, I think it's an odd choice, but the one that springs to mind is um, I woke up. It was a Chelsea morning. Oh, um, Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely yes. song. Yeah, Theo loves that one. That's yes, cool. I think when I live in Kemptown, so coming to Hove, Hove. Because it was built that much later, the, the streets mm-hmm. seem much wider, and this just seems it's sort of like avenue-ish, isn't yeah. it? And sort of a bit, sort of, um, yes, a bit sort of freer and skippy down yeah. the street, a bit like Georgie Girl. Yeah, and it's nice dancing to- around the streets, so fancy free. <laughs> <laughs> and it is lovely out there today as well. It's just so nice to be out and about and kind of in the sunshine. I was thinking about my song because I was obviously writing this last night, and I was thinking, what would my song choice be this week? And Dolly Parton Nine to Five popped in my head. Uh, um, I think purely because I don't want to be doing nine to five anymore, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and the lyrics are just kind of like you know, um, you know, uh, quite quite fitting really. But and, the, um, and it starts with the mention of a cup of coffee. coffee yeah, absolutely, yes. yeah. But um, and, and and you can't go wrong with a bit of Dolly, can you? Just, or is it a cup of ambition? It's a cup of ambition. Pour myself a it? cup of ambition. Yes, yeah, yeah. Not coffee. Yawn, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yawn and stretch and trying to come alive. Um, so yeah, um, but no, that was definitely my song. I think this week I've just been a bit like, oh, I really want to do this full time. I love my podcast. It's pretty good. And um, so that was definitely kind of where my my thinking was at. So you're, well, you're good at it so far. I'm enjoying, I've enjoyed the first ah, three minutes. Well, that's very good. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> so um, obviously you're based in... Brighton. Absolutely. And how long have you been living in Brighton for? Uh, 2013, but I did live here for a year um, in 1991. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. And then where did you go after that? I went uh, back up to that fancy London for Mm. 25 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. And what brought you back to Brighton? Uh, I think I, I always planned to come back to Brighton. I think it was more a question why I left Brighton. Mm-hmm. This is the early 90s. I worked in advertising. I was a copywriter, creative director. Back then, there weren't any major agencies in Brighton. So if you mm-hmm. wanted to to propel your career, then you had to go to, to London to do that. So, yeah. so I did that and um, tasted the delights of, of London and then... Um, Decided to come back. Do you miss London? Or? Not in the slightest. No. It was. It was. Quite, I actually set up a blog um, shortly in that sort of moving period because I, I let my flat in London for a couple of years before I moved properly down here because mm. I wasn't sure whether I'd be able to rest myself from London. And I had in this blog, it was like things I love about London, things I hate about London, and I and I I I found that I. You know, it, it, it helped me sort of process the sort mm. of the move. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as you, when you're younger, London is the things that, are, that exist in London are the things you, the things like the noise, the anonymity, the sort of the, the what's the word, the freneticness of it are all the things that you love. I mm-hmm. think as you get older... They are the things that you dislike about it. Yeah, things change. Don't Thing, they? You know, your mm. mind changes. You, you know, what I loved about Brighton from friends who'd moved out, who'd moved back to Brighton before me, mm-hmm. was the more village aspect of it. You mm-hmm. know, I love the fact that now, you know, even today we were sat outside that cafe mm-hmm. and you saw a couple of people that you knew, and you've only yeah. been here for a few months. Yeah. So there, there is something lovely when you get older about not being anonymous, about people recognising you, mm-hmm. just walking down the street, and, and you know, mm-hmm. you know, you just. So rarely get that in London. Yeah, I think it's like, and I've said this on one of the uh, first podcasts I did, but it's being visible um, or being invisible, but visible because it's like, there's obviously so much of our queer community living here 
and to be um you know to be here and feel that you can blend but also to feel that you have an identity and it's it's mm. celebrated i think that's that's really important for me um but i think also it's it has the and especially in um hove it really reminds me of some of the like london streets there's a real vibe vibe around hove and and in brighton as well but you've got like a really nice sense of community whereas i always find london a little bit kind of hostile and aggressive and Saw a show there a few weeks ago, and I just couldn't wait to get back. Like as soon as the train came into Brighton Station, I was like, "Oh, we're home, we're home." Oh gosh, um, I mean, I imagine things have changed post COVID. But I used to work in Soho, and okay. getting getting from Soho to Victoria Station, mm-hmm. particularly around Christmas, it was it was like going into battle. You would just yeah. head down. You're working in the opposite direction of everybody else. Yeah. And you just, it was like, you know, it's just get, you know, you'd prepare yourself yeah. <laughs> to get out. Of Armor, just kind of, yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. So what, what, I mean, obviously you've talked about community and you, you like what you like about Brighton compared to London, but for you, what is, what really gets under your skin with Brighton? What are the key things that you really think that this is the place I want to live now? I, I think of, obviously it's, I live in Kemptown, which is mm. probably the queerest part of Brighton, yeah. and Brighton is the queerest city in the UK, mm-hmm. according to statistics in terms of same-sex um, relationships and marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, statistics, statistics, whatever yeah, people yeah. will argue otherwise, but um, it's very, very queer, and obviously that was that is something that was really, um, you know, a huge draw to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, 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 that another layer of that is that... Brighton has attracted so many creative people mm-hmm. over the years, mm-hmm. um, queer and non-queer. Mm-hmm. And I think because as a city, it's a relatively small city. I mean, I think the fit, the actual figure is about 250,000. But I think if you think about the strip from where we are now in, in, in Hove all the way through the centre of town and up to Kemptown, that population is, is somewhat smaller than that. Yeah. And when you've got a population that are really creative and really interested in doing things and really sociable, I think it, it creates this amazing buzz. And I, I think the problem with London, as, particularly as I was getting, as, as I'd been there longer and longer, was that the size of it becomes um, yeah. really prohibitive to mm-hmm. people to, to wanting to go out and do stuff. Whereas in Brighton, if someone rings you up half an hour before something's happening or oh, I've got a spare ticket to such and such, you can say, well, fine, I'll, I'll finish off my tea and I'll, I'll pop down. Yeah, be there in 20 minutes or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. You don't have geography to actually act as a, as a, as a, as a, what was the word I used before? Prohibitive. It just, yeah. it's, it's not a... Yeah, well, London is vast for that, isn't it? Like, you know, you yeah. go and see a show and you, you know, you're on a tube for 40 minutes and whereas here, you know, we are so lucky that we've got so much, it, you know, we it is a big city, but it feels it feels relatively kind of like compact and, you know, you're not too far away from something really, are you? So that's, that's really, really lovely. Well, yeah. And I think also I touched on this sociability. I think that, that, that people in Brighton are just so sociable. I think Mm. that people really value the number of people connections they've Mm -hmm. got, their friendships. So there's an awful lot of, of competition in terms of, where you're going, which mm-hmm. dinner parties you're going to, mm-hmm. what theatre events you've been to, gigs, clubs, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. I think there's a sort of, you know, I think it's interesting, um, you know, talking to, to you guys and, um, you know, and other people who've been here for quite, you know, a short amount of time have, mm-hmm. have commented how different their social lives have become since they've been in Brighton. Yeah. It's, Brighton has an incredibly good knack at getting you into the pub. Yes. 
and not leaving until very early in the morning yes. as I did yeah. last night. Yes, if, if you're of a character that is easily tempted, then don't come to live in Brighton. Yeah, yeah. I was literally, my throat was really sore yesterday. I was like, I can't do anything this evening. I'm going to have to just chill out. And then my friend was like, I want to go to Revenge. Do you fancy coming out for a few drinks? Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, why mm-hmm. not? So yeah, then rock, rocked up at five o'clock this morning. Not good. Um, so Brightonians, your book, Nearly a year ago you released that, I believe. Is that yeah, right? it's actually it was April the nineteenth, I think. Or twenty third. April the twenty third was the official launch date, um, St. George's Day. Amazing, amazing. Yes. Um and so I've just finished literally just finished reading it. Thank uh, you very and much. It was very great and I really, really enjoyed it. Thank um, you for saying that. What do you want to what do you want to say about Brightonians? Because I guess there's your your work is continuing past Brightonians. Now you're obviously working on other things, but in terms of this book um, what is the kind of um, what's the premise of the book, and what you know, what could uh, the reader expect from it? As, as a snapshot, the Brightonians, as the title suggests, is about a group of warring socialites. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the book opens, they're already vying for supremacy of their social circle. There's lots of um, sort of social one-upmanship. Um, but then when one of them discovers completely by chance this 50-year-old letter that belongs to a local drag queen, the race to find out what happened to the people mentioned in the letter, mm-hmm. that catapults their sparring to ever-increasing mm-hmm. ridiculous levels. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically the the, the, the you know the, the heart of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, for, for me, you know, anyone that does something, so, you know, I think whether it's a book or I'm doing a podcast, you know, I applaud anyone that does something and kind of goes, yeah, I'm going to follow my passion, my dream and make this happen. And then like to release a book, that's an incredible uh, achievement. So was this a desire of something you always wanted to do? Or is it something that you just thought, okay, I've I've almost had it bubbling in the background. I just now need to, I now need to just do it and get on with it. It's it's a really interesting question because as a copywriter in advertising, so basically for almost 30 years, that's what I did for a living. I would mm-hmm. get up in the morning, go to work, write copy mm-hmm. about margarine, um, cars, body spray, charities, <laughs> right. whatever. And people will always say to you, oh, you know, you must have got a book inside of you, you know, because that's mm. what you did for a living. You were a writer. Mm. And I would say, well, if I did, I would have written it by now. Yep. And I, I think the reality was that, if you spend eight or nine hours a day writing, essentially, or editing or, you know, selling in the work, mm-hmm. when you get in at night, you don't necessarily want to sit down and start writing. So it actually took it to be, when, when, I, when I went freelance and I left the big world of advertising yeah. uh, when I was uh, almost 50, and I, I suddenly had more time on my hands and I really missed writing. I really, mm-hmm. it's interesting because I missed the thing that was the reason I went into advertising in the first place. Mm-hmm. Because as you, like most careers, and mm-hmm. I'm sure it's the same with yourself, mm-hmm. the reason you go into something, as you go up the sort of the management ladder, you get more and more removed from the thing that you actually went into in the, in the first, first place. place. Yeah. You end up managing people and, and dealing with with costs and dealing with mm-hmm. difficult clients. And, you know, so I, I, I was, it was really great that I, st- I, I obviously still had that real burning passion to write. Um but what had stopped me was having the time and the headspace. So when I when I had more time on my hands when I went mm. freelance, I was able to apply myself and and so yes, it was it was. I think actually, I mean, I, I've thought about this. You know, so people say I want to be a writer. I actually, what I really wanted to do was was capture the essence of Brighton or my essence of Brighton. Mm-hmm. And I felt so. You know, because the next novel, which is almost finished, is a continuation of this novel. It's it's you know, I feel that my place, you know, is 
is to write about mm-hmm. queer Brighton and celebrate it and celebrate it yeah. because I think everything changes so so quickly these days that mm-hmm. I think it will be lost and um, it, you know in the way that um, my two big influences in terms of writing one of them is um, is, is Mopan mm-hmm. which everyone will know about and I think what's great about Mopan's work was that he captured San Francisco in the seventies. You know, he was writing in 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 his own period about what mm-hmm. was happening in the seventies, and I mm-hmm. think that to all queer people is 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 almost like a guidebook yeah, to San course. Francisco. And I and I thought the excitement that was happening in San Francisco in the seventies, I think, is happening now in Brighton. I think we are, you know, with some other cities, are ahead of the curve in mm-hmm. terms of, um, you know, in in terms of of, of queerness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing, the the other the other author that I'm, I'm probably my favourite author is is E. F. Benson, who is less familiar, I think, to people today. But he wrote a series of books called Map and Lucia. Okay, not heard and, of those. Well, they were well, interesting. They were set in a fictional town in Sussex. Right. The fictional name of the town is Tilling, but it's actually Rye. Right. And it's really obviously Rye. Okay. Um, in fact, in front of the book, they have a map of of Rye, and then it's overlaid with the fictional yeah. world of Tilling. And this, this these books are so rich and lush to me because they are. It's about a group of of people in the 1920s in this village. Mm. And I think that Kemp Town is very much like a village. I mm-hmm. think, you know, you mentioned Hove is very much like a, a village. And I think there's, you know, both these books captured something about the times in which they were written. Mm-hmm. And I felt I just wanted to do that. I wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, to someone to look back in 10 years and go, oh, yeah, that was... That was mm. that was happening in Brighton. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think the what I really enjoyed about the book um, as well was it was very cosy and it was very. I love like I've been reading some other books which I think we've mentioned before as well by uh, John Roman Baker, um, the Greg and Nick books, mm-hmm. again set in Brighton mm-hmm. and, and Hove. And what I enjoyed about those books and yours as well was that I recognise street names and pubs and mm-hmm. locations and mm-hmm. and I think there is uh, you know I've only been here five months now but I think I. It really has got under my skin. This place, I just, I love it so much, and I never want to leave. You know, it's, so <laughs> it's to, like Royston Vasey, you'll never leave, never leave. So, but, so I think to read read a book where you know all of those places which I love are in there, it's it feels very. I feel very privileged. I'm like, oh, I know that place. I know that because I live here. You know, it's mm-hmm. so. I think as a local, when you're reading a book like that, um, as you say, it's a celebrate. It's honouring the great mm-hmm. place that we live, but mm-hmm. also celebrating it and celebrating the past. And that was another thing I wanted to come on to. I, I felt that it was really respectful of like um you know um queer relationships of the past and present and i guess there was a real lovely balance there of celebrating like in the 60s but actually being you know very present with the group of friends now trying to discover what happened back then um was it a conscious decision for you to honor kind of queer relationships of the past and actually the maybe the kind of the secrecy and the the differences that they they had compared to what you know couples have these days or was that not a conscious decision? It was. It was. It was a conscious decision because when I said I wanted to write a book about Bryson, my my massive passion is history, mm-hmm. and I know that we've touched on. I I worked on two history projects, um, pretty much in parallel with writing the book. One was mm-hmm. uh, was um, with Queens Park Books, and it was turning a a a collection of oral histories of queer men and women from the nineteen fifties who lived in Brighton, mm-hmm. which is called Daring Hearts, mm-hmm. uh, which was published by them and Our Story Brighton. And it is such a rich collection of of stories, but I felt that we need to find new ways of, of, of 
commemorating them and and bringing mm. them to to the next mm. generation but also you know to people beyond the queer, the queer community because it's essentially a, a history book that is is known to a smallish number of people you know comparatively so i definitely wanted to do that and and working on queer the peer one thing that really well two things that really sort of stunned me working on queer the peer was was actually how generationally a, be, below a certain age group that not much knowledge of what happened to queer people in the 80s particularly mm-hmm. And I felt that there was there was a need, you know, in the same way to try and preserve this history and make it more exciting yeah. to 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 other people, not necessarily just younger people, but to people who are not that interested in history. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, and that's quite a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know, I think, and that, that's the other point I was going to make. Really, that I think there are different ways to actually um, y- make history interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's no surprise to me. I worked on Visit Britain, mm-hmm. uh, which was probably my favourite client actually ever when I was working advertising. And what I loved about that was we were selling Britain to to people who don't live in Britain. And it's so interesting how one of the huge lures for people are films. Yeah. So, you know, they can they can track how popular places become mm-hmm. when it's, you know, represented in, in a film mm-hmm. or, or a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the books you mentioned that one of the books that I read after I'd written this was um, Beth and Robert's My Policeman. Oh, okay. Which well, it's in my box to read. <laughs> oh, you should read it. It's absolutely brilliant. It really does, I think, evoke a period that has now gone, mm. which is sort of the fifties. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 such a great story, and it's it's based in Brighton for people who don't know this, and it's they're also based around the museum. Right. And it's as people probably will know, it stars Harry Styles. Yes. And so I think when that is released. It'll brighten my blood a bit more. Right, and yeah. will suddenly, you know, once again be a, be you know be a, be a destination yeah. for people outside of Britain, yeah. who will want to come and, you know, as you said, yeah. see the museum. Mm-hmm. They'll want to walk along the Madeira Drive where mm-hmm. the police box used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it does. It's a way of actually engaging with people who don't necessarily want to get a book out of the reference library <laughs> and, and then flick through loads of archives. Yeah, well, we all learn and take information in different ways, don't Absolutely. we? So if people do that through, you know, art or film or whatever, then that's great. And if it mm. means that people become even more interested in the city than they already are, then that's, you know, that's absolutely fantastic. So with this book, I mean, were there any obstacles that you faced when writing the book? You know, was there any point when you said, wow, this is more difficult than I thought it would be? Or, or was it just a... a a dream and a joy to do. Only it's, it's a it's a really insightful question because I've said a couple of times if I knew the challenges at the beginning, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have done it mm-hmm. because. But you go into these things naively, not you know, not knowing what's what. And I think it's good that I I did go into it naively because it meant that as the challenges came, I was able to tackle them. And you know these and these range from you know from just lots of things, just. Um, deadlines from the publisher, um, having to you know re- remove whole sort of chapters because you know, you know someone said oh it didn't, didn't wasn't really necessary. Or, mm. um, I mean the original the original draft was about one hundred twenty thousand words long, right. and the one that was published was about sixty five thousand words long. Wow, okay. So that was a lot of, yeah. of stuff that was cut out. Um, but as a copywriter, you get used to people editing your work. So it was that you know that that was it must be disheartening though when it's your own personal because it's I guess it's your word, it's your it's your point of view on what your your story, isn't it? So do, do you know what it it it's it's not because oh, okay. yeah because as a as a copywriter you you um you start the industry as a trainee copywriter and one of the things that you're told right from day one mm-hmm. is to kill your lovies 
Right. It's a phrase which is basically saying, clear, kill all the flowery language that's getting in the way. Yeah. And I think, you know, spending 30 years in that industry, you do get used to people changing stuff and, and your job then becomes how to um, rewrite it and make it still make sense. Yes. So I, I think if I hadn't had that training, then yes, I think for a lot of people to to kill your love is 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 really hard. Mm-hmm. But but ultimately, people won't miss what they never knew was there. Yeah, definitely. And it you know it flowed brilliantly. So you Thank know you. it'd be very interesting to see what um, it would have been like without it edited. It was it was very much a what's the word when you sort of indulgent because I love mm-hmm. history. So mm-hmm. there were sections where you know there's a tower in it mm-hmm. and there was a whole section in the original version of the history of the tower. Right. And friends said to me, "I know you really love, you know, the medieval history of this tower, but yeah. actually I'm not really I was really quite bored." Yeah. And I think one of the things that I learned in this whole process was this concept of keeping people in the fiction. Yeah, and and actually, it does go back to advertising because in advertising, we're taught again from a very early age that we don't have anyone's right to mm-hmm. their attention. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a very famous quote by a chap called Howard Gossage, nineteen sixties sort of ad mad men type guru, and he said, "People read what interests them, and sometimes it's an ad." Mm-hmm. And I applied the same thinking mm-hmm. to to my novel. So anything that would could take people away from the story, even if I thought it was really fascinating, mm-hmm. and just you know, just got rid of it. I guess you've got to think about the the reader, haven't you? And you want them to be to be engaged, and yeah, absolutely. No, but you know, I think it's great though that I mean, and and also I guess the research that you did, and um, you know, the the additional you know work and, and information that was in there probably helped you with the rest of the book because it's it all adds something, doesn't it? It's you know mm. something maybe pops in from oh I've written about that, so now let's write about that or something. So it's never never really wasted, but it's um. Yeah, it, I guess it's just a lot to cut, though, isn't it? Um, but as you said, you're you're used to that. That I guess. Well, yeah, you just distill. Yeah, and you take the essence. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's also quite just reassuring knowing that it actually is there. Yeah, it's a sort of a comfort blanket. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would you like to read something from from the book? Well, actually, yeah, I I the the, the passage that I think I read because it because it's actually relevant to. Um, what we were talking earlier about real places mm-hmm. and the way that places change, it's actually mentions nice and naughty. Uh-huh. And for people who don't know, nice and naughty up until very recently was an adult store on mm-hmm. St. James's street and it's still in business, but it's taken its business online. And I think this, this is quite interesting because in terms of, I would never have known when I was writing this, that nice and naughty would disappear from the high street. Mm. So it's really lovely that it's now, Will oh, always exist, mm. um, you know, in, in in some other form. Yeah. So basically, if I give you a little bit of background um, to this chapter, it's quite yeah. early on in the chapter, and essentially there is a a character in the book called Grace Davidson, who's a, a former MP, and she's kind of like a sort of a Harvey Milk character in the town. Um, she's she's very very highly thought of, and a little bit like when James Ledward died. Um, Again, a well-known political activist, mm. um, queer activist. Um, the town kind of all goes into mourning, mm-hmm. and um, and I mean, what's quite really sort of bonkers is that I wrote this two or three years before James died. And what happened in St James's Street when they had the cortege come up St James's Street? There were posters celebrating James in a lot of the shop windows, and the service was at St Mary's. Oh wow! So it was it was kind of weird for me because mm. I was thinking this is actually what I wrote mm. for Grace, and mm-hmm. so you know this is how the town 
um, actually did react mm -hmm. uh, when someone of this nature. Anyway, so Grace has died, very highly thought of figure. And this is a conversation between two of the principal characters in the book, Ollie, who's mid-30s, a gym instructor, and Cameron, who is a feisty early 40s ad man. Uh, Scottish. I will attempt a Scottish accent, um, but do it. Usually, when I've done these podcasts, I've I've had uh, Hugh Ross, who is Scottish, doing doing these parts. So I apologise to Ross particularly. Sorry to Hugh particularly. Um, so, O M G! Squealed Ollie down the phone. Aye, Grace Davidson. I know they announced it on the train. Replied Cameron to his friend. No, I mean O M G! St James's Street. St. James's Street, why, what's happened? Hang on a minute, I'll send you a picky, replied Ollie, striding over to the window. One moment, caller, he sang down the phone before opening the, ca the, before opening the camera and zooming into the shop window of Nice and Naughty on the other side of the street. Known throughout Brighton for their arresting window displays, Ollie's focus today was not, however, their impressive selection of latex underwear, harnesses and rubber fetish gear. Instead, he picked out the two showroom dummies wrapped from head to toe in black bedsheets. Photo taken, Ollie sent it to Cameron and returned to his sofa. Look, even Charles and Diana are in mourning, he trilled into his phone. Jesus Christ, no, that's priceless, replied Cameron. I know, but I bet Diana's still wearing the sexy maid's outfit she had on all week. Aye, though it does look like someone's at least taken the dildo out of Charles's jockstrap. <laughs> I'll end it there <laughs> for younger viewers. <laughs> Very good Scottish accent. Well, uh, thank you. We'll, we'll, leave, we'll leave that open to see what Hugh, no, Hugh thinks. <laughs> it was very, 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 very good. Well, I am from Yorkshire, so, you know, yeah. northern-ish. <laughs> no, it's great. And there were so many funny moments in the book. And and I guess it was, it you know, it really captured the um, essence of the typical conversations people would have on the train or with friends over text or social media. And um, I thought there was a really nice blend of kind of the current and then celebrating the past. It was, it was really, really lovely. So the new book, um, almost finished, almost finished. I'm going to, I'm going away for a month to, um, to finalize it. Okay. Um, uh, in a month's time, I find that as we've already discussed, Brighton is incredibly distracting and yeah. I do manage to do a couple of hours a day, which, which in some ways is, is probably enough actually, because yeah. you need to edit and edit and edit. Um, but actually I found when I've removed myself from Brighton, when I don't have so many distractions, it's actually, you can really sort of really chomp, yeah. chomp through it. Yeah. Um, so this is like an editing type month and kind of finessing it, things. It's still, it's still doing, there's still uh, four or five chapters to write, but I know the arc. I know what happens. Right. And, and it will change. Yeah. Um, but it's, 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 it's at that very exciting point. You get in, I, I get in this very exciting point where I, I, it's what I mainly want to do when I get up in the morning. Mm -hmm. I just want to, I want to get onto it. And, That's lovely. And, 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 you know, when I'm able to do that, and it's really, it's very cathartic. It's like pa playing piano and writing mm -hmm. are the two things that after I've done that, I kind of think, oh, I feel <sighs> good. Yeah. I think yeah. it goes back to that time thing you were talking about earlier, because you were saying about how you kind of had to give up the rat race to, you know, then discover or, or really dedicate your time. And, you know, I've been having several conversations recently about that as well. You know, I I definitely feel that, you know, as much as the nine, you know, we all have to work and the nine to five is, you know, I'm very grateful for, for what I do. And, you know, I think I'm quite good at what I do as well. It is one of those things where you think if I just had a bit more time, mm -hmm. I could really focus my efforts on like the podcast or other things I want to do. And um, I, I definitely think there's power in kind of taking that moment and saying, right, 
this is now my time to do what I really want to do. So I really do applaud you for that. I applaud anyone for doing that. I think it's incredibly brave to do oh, it. Thank you. Um, and I, well, I applaud you for doing it as well. Well, I haven't quite done it yet, yes, but, I'm just, but you this, know, is, this is a, a... But you've got to be, you know, you're a man with a plan, you know. So yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, all good things and all that. But it's, I think it's just, it, it's just nice to, and you talked about creativity here in Brighton earlier. It, that's just inspiring to me. There's so many people here that are creative people. And I think it just, it, you know, it encourages you, inspires you to want to just kind of do more and think, well, yeah, I, I can do a podcast, I can write a book. You know, everyone's doing it, oh, so absolutely. why not? Absolutely, and I, I think, you know, going back to Brighton per se as a, as, a, as a place, I think that in London, work is is sort of 80 to 90% of what people talk about. When mm. you meet someone at a party, it's it's very work-focused. And I yeah. think, you know, people do talk about what they what they do, but I think if people are, are working and also doing something creative, they will tend to talk about their creative thing mm. first and play down yeah, what they do to pay the rent. And it's yeah. sort of, and I think there's a, the, I think that's that's actually, I think that's good for the human condition because, yeah. you know, and I think that, you know, that is one of the massive draws as you've, you yeah. know, you've found yeah. to, to Brighton as a creative enclave of yeah, of artists absolutely and no, yeah. it completely is it really really is and everyone's quite relaxed as well here i find and um you know you speak to someone they're like yeah i'm doing this it's great and we're going really well and i'm like just like i don't know it's just an energy you get from mm-hmm. people it's just lovely if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again juvederm volux xc is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
So I'm always really fascinated about queer journeys and uh, individuals' journeys, I guess. So how would you describe your queer journey? Um, and obviously you've lived in London, you're now living in Brighton. Where are you originally from? I'm Yorkshire? originally from, from Yorkshire, mining village. Okay. Um, uh, which the most famous one, I suppose, would be Bramley or Maltby. Okay. Um, so my I came out when I was 18 to myself and my then boyfriend um, who lived in that mining village wow. I just mentioned. And uh, just maybe just a few weeks after I came out, we started to hear about this um, this this gay disease, mm. um, which initially frightened a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And then I experienced incredible prejudice um, that when I think back to it, I think it's amazing that we all managed to deal with it and mm. actually live through that period. Mm. So, you know, it was, it was a, you know, it was a two pronged attack. We were actually um, later on losing people, mm-hmm. but also um, there was the, there was the prejudice and, and the, and the homophobia that came with it, that actually everybody who was queer in the eighties had to deal with um, every day. I mean, mm. I, I remember, um, being asked to get off a train in London because I was reading Gay Times, and no, not one single person defended me. And you, and it kind of, it was kind of normalised because things like that were happening to yeah. to queer people all the time. Mm. And you know, and I think that that period has massively affected, um, you know, my my psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, my relationship to to lots of things, whether mm-hmm. it's to sex or to relationships. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Incredible, I mean, incredibly, so not incredible time, incredibly tough time to, to, um, you know, to come out at and, and to live through, I guess. And, you know, I was, I was very young when, when that, um, that period, you know, was really kind of. Really... Don't rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, but I do, but I do, I had a conversation with Cara Van Park about this a few weeks ago. I, you know, I remember snippets. I remember, you know, headlines and conversations and, and you know, the, the effects of like section 28 and mm-hmm. all of that kind of, you know, that affected my schooling years, you know, bullying and of things course. like that wasn't, was not dealt with. And, you know, so, um, well, yeah, I know teachers from that period who were very compromised because they didn't, they could see it going on, but weren't sure whether they were actually allowed, allowed to even yeah. to step in and stop it Yeah, because for fear of their, their jobs, because clause 28 was so, vaguely written mm. and i don't think even any any case was ever brought using it it mm. was such a an awful i mean, I mean incredibly homophobic it's amazing to think now in 2022 yeah. that that could have happened in my lifetime mm. but actually as a sort of a, i wouldn't really call it a plus or anything but i think it was so extreme it was the final straw for lots mm-hmm. of people mm-hmm. and we basically on mass came out to our parents mm-hmm. we came out of the shadows mm-hmm. it was like this is it. Yeah. There's you basically telling me that I'm second class citizen mm-hmm. in this country I was born in. Mm-hmm. How dare you? Um, and I think, you know, it, it did force us onto the streets. And, mm. and I remember being on the famous gay riot outside the Houses of Parliament. Really? In the early 90s, actually, when um, the the equal age of consent was going through. And, you know, sounds very exciting. I was absolutely terrified. Yeah, I can absolutely imagine. Absolutely terrified, you know, this sort of. But well done you for doing it, because it must have been so frightening, but actually so liberating to also be a part of it. Yeah, I wasn't at the I wasn't at the front. I was there. I was there. Yeah, uh, it happened. I was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, you know, on the back of that, it actually formed. You know, it brought people together in a way they've never been brought together before, mm-hmm. and that really was the foundation mm-hmm. of you know of the communities that we've that we've got 
today, mm. you know, mm. and, and, you know, so I think it was a bit of an own goal, shall we say, for, yeah. for Thatcher's government. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I, I feel that, um, you know, I, I talked to Cara about this again a few weeks ago. I, I, I do feel that um, as queer people, regardless of our generation, we all have a, a duty to understand and, and learn about, you know, the history. And we obviously talked about history quite a lot, you know, and I, I definitely feel that that's something over recent years that I've really become very interested in learning about our queer history, learning about, you know, how things have happened and how things have changed. Because I think without knowing that, we can't truly appreciate, you know, where we are. And I think it's great that we've got fantastic programs like It's a Sin coming out and, you know, they're remaking well, yeah, Queer as Folk and there's... The, Right. Oh, are they? Oh, fantastic! Yeah, oh, I look forward to that. Yeah. Oh, wow! Because that was—I mean, that was—that was a real game changer. There yeah. was—I uh, remember someone saying afterwards, a straight friend of mine saying, "Well, we all now know what you do in bed." <laughs> and that was the morning after the first show, and I think we, we all know what we're referring to. But the, the the new novel is called Brightonians Under Siege. The Brightonians Under Siege, and it takes place in 2020 at the beginning of COVID. Okay, and it's relevant to what we've just been saying because yeah. I the flashbacks this time are to the early 80s. Right. So you get uh, you know, in terms of knowing what our past was. I thought it was really interesting to look at the way the the, the world dealt with the pandemic, mm -hmm. COVID, where and how it dealt with yeah. HIV and AIDS. Yeah. And the, you know they were worlds apart mm -hmm. in in the action, and you know not just in terms of investment in 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 medical research, mm -hmm. but also in terms of the way that people were treated. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I you know back to your point, I think we do need to know as a communities, we do need to know our past mm -hmm. so that we can navigate our future. Absolutely, no, so I, it's so important. I actually made a similar comparison during COVID. I was like, wow, if you know the same kind of investment had been there like twenty, thirty years ago how different the world would, would have been. Well, yeah, I was um, talking to some people I know from Sussex Beacon, yeah. and they were saying that in the beginning of COVID, it was really triggering. You know, this mm. the way that people were walking, like stepping away from people, walking across the street. Yeah. And it brought back a lot of that, mm. you know, that sort of anxiety. So how, how do you... and Again, this may be a personal question, but how how do you kind of get get personal? <laughs> <laughs> but how do you get through that? How do you because we all have stuff that we have to deal with in our lives, don't we? But actually, I can't imagine being coming out at that time and then facing the discrimination that you and you know others in the community must have, have faced. So, mm. how do you get through that? And and how do you get to a point where you actually can move forward? I mean, it must be incredibly difficult to do that. It's, I mean, it's really it is really. It is a personal question because actually I think I've only realised fairly recently and possibly on the back of Russell T Davis's It's a Sin, mm -hmm. how much what happened to me in the 80s has still still affects me today yeah. and, and does affect the way, um, you know, the way I talk about queer issues. I, I think it, it was it was a lot more, tra I, I can now admit that it was very traumatic in a way, I think at the time, because you're living through it, mm. you're just dealing with it on a daily basis and you also you almost start to think well you know this is my lot you know this is this is how it's going to be mm -hmm. and it actually you know every sort of step forward we made particularly in the 90s you almost like oh my goodness i can't believe i can't believe we've mm -hmm. you know i can't believe that got through mm -hmm. you know you sort of you you know we've gone from this position of of people loathing you mm -hmm. you know so, i mean some of the commentary in the laws at that time was so offensive um to a place where you know it's it's you know the you know, survey after survey, you know, I think, you know, it's so much more accepted and it's, it's, yeah. it's, so I don't think I have got over it, I suppose is the short question. But I wonder if, you know, and, <laughs> and again, not just, you know, the, the AIDS and HIV epidemic, but I wonder whether, you know, as queer people, there's always 
in the back of our minds, we're always on guard. We're, you know, so, you know I, I definitely have felt a sense of shame and and kind of um, been very conscious of myself at times. And I'm quite, an, I, I, you know, I am an extrovert, but actually, in certain situations, I can feel incredibly fragile and guarded. I mean, you know, I was in the pub with Anna and Leo a few weeks ago, and there was a group of lads in there on a stag do, and I just felt so uncomfortable mm-hmm. because it brings back that oh, yeah. feeling of being in the town centre where I'm from, or being at school when people shouting abusive things or and you don't think it stays with you but it does and it's and it you know it's awful that we have to feel that way you know it's, it's oh yeah i was um, i was actually horrendous. queer bashed in brighton right um in the early 90s in in one of the, the clubs that now exist on the seafront and it was a different name back then but what was really showing about brighton was i was headbutted and um and um, almost immediately um, the bouncers came up and said, oh, who did this? Who did this? And I sort of, and I was a bit reluctant then yeah. to point them out because I thought, I just don't want any trouble, you know. It's like, yeah. And they were like really insistent. And then they, they found this this chap, took him out and, um, and um, you know, told him to, to leave in no uncertain terms. So I did feel that there was, you know, there was there was a sense in Brighton that there were allies, yeah. you know, to, to actually to, to support you when these, these, these awful things happened. But, well, you've just... So my next question was about allyship, and this is something I've asked in every podcast because mm-hmm. I, you know, I've said this on every podcast. I think allyship is incredibly important, not just for people outside of our community, but also for you know us within our community to other areas of the LGBTQIA plus community. So, what does allyship mean to you, and how important is that? It's it's been massively important, and even some of the questions that you've asked me earlier, when you said, "Oh, why did you move to Brighton?" I think you know, you, you the, the obvious answer to that was was as I said, you know, it's a, a queer enclave, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But actually, the reason I actually moved here was that I already had friends who'd moved back to Brighton, mm-hmm. and the creativity of the place, and I and I find that Brighton, the success of Brighton is that every, you know, so many people here are allies mm-hmm. of, of the queer community. Yeah, uh, you know, and, e- and even the novel, the novels are not actually listed uh, as. LGBT um, IQ plus. It's actually just listed as a as a, a as a mystery, you know, mystery Amazing. sort of. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, mystery novel. Um, yeah. And because I wanted, I was, I wanted it to be. Yes, it's largely about queer people and queer Brighton, but I wanted it to be interesting mm-hmm. to people beyond that. Our community, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you know, it, it's certainly. You know, it's the case when you, you know, when you get comments back or, you know, you see reviews, you know, it is very, it's not only the queer community that have, um, mm-hmm. you know, recognised themselves in this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, and I think, you know, you know that I'm involved with the Ledwood Centre, mm-hmm. which is Brighton's very first LGBTQI plus um, centre. And, you, you know, right from the beginning, we want, we've made sure that we are inviting and inclusive to our allies mm-hmm. as, as well as the you know the, the spectrum of the yeah. the community it's, it's it's so important to um you know to to you know to build those bridges mm-hmm. you know as it is within the community yourself yeah. i think you know there's you know, one of the things i was really keen to do in my first novel was was this sort of um connection between older queer people and younger queer people mm-hmm. because that's my experience yeah, um, you know, yeah. And, and, I, and I think it's it's something that we need to that we need to work on. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, I think it's uh, so, yeah, we've got such a big community mm-hmm. in Brighton that it's quite easy to just sort of go off and you know mix with 
yeah. people who are closer to you in lots of different ways. And I think it's, you know, the strength of the community is, and it's, it stands a bit glib, doesn't it? You know, but we are stronger together. And, yeah, and I no, think, absolutely. You know, and I think that, you know, I generally get a buzz or a, a feeling here that, you know, um, everyone's very welcoming and friendly. And of course, you know, everywhere you go, in whatever place, country, there's always going to be trouble or an issue somewhere. But I generally feel like on, on the whole, I've, I feel very safe here and very comfortable. And I think there is an acceptance already that, you know, this is a very queer friendly place and it, you know. Um, and, and I think my view is, is going back to the 80s, mm. is those the very, very first march that I did against Clause 28 was in Manchester. And right. it was apparently the biggest march they'd had for about 50 years. Mm-hmm. And I went with people from university and there was only me in the group of, say, eight people that define themselves as gay. Right. So everyone else on that, well, my group, we're all allies. Allyship, yeah. So I've always relied on yeah. my straight friends mm-hmm. to, you know, to, to support and drive forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really interesting last night when I went to, um, again, go back to my nightclub story last <laughs> night. But um, there was so many queer people in the club and so many straight people in the club and everyone was mixing and everyone was kissing and everyone was having a good time. And I haven't really thought about it until now, but like there were so many people in there that were straight and just not phased by what was going on. Now, mm-hmm. I remember 20 years ago going out, when I first started going out <laughs> clubbing. And um, my goodness, if someone, if two guys, and maybe it's where I was from, but if two guys kissed, it would just be like, whoa, what has kind of happened there? And so, again, that's. Well, that was why I got queer bashed. Yeah, right. Okay. Because I'd kissed my boyfriend. Right. That's terrible. That's mm. so sad. So yeah, I mean, for me, when your story about revenge—that's brilliant. I just think. Well, that's, that's what I'm that's, just that's thinking lovely. as well. It's it's kind of it, it's one of those moments where actually, to most people listening to this, it'd be like, well, it's Brian, of course. But mm-hmm. to me, I'm like, wow, that, that's incredible. Like, I had no, I I didn't think about it, but actually, that's a massive leap forward. Yes, mm-hmm. twenty years later, but it's that's great in itself, mm-hmm. isn't it? So, mm-hmm. um, no, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So I had, do have uh, like a quick fire round now. Um, oh no, on the spot, on the spot. But it's, they're always good fun. <laughs> okay, I think. Um, but yeah, let's lighten the mood after we've, <laughs> we've talked about the the horror and fear of the eighties. But and... thank you for sharing that though, because I think again, it's it's really it's a really important topic, and I think it's one of many topics that we all must keep discussing and learning from. There's always something mm-hmm. to learn. So thank you for sharing all of that. I do appreciate it. You're welcome. Absolutely. So, quick fire round. Um, queer icon. Madonna. Madonna. Okay, well, I should have known that was going to be the answer, shouldn't I? Because we went to see the tribute act with Billy a few weeks ago. Queer like So, Madonna, Harvey Milk, Armistead Mopan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Favourite era? I, I, I'm very drawn to the 1890s. Are you? Yeah, I think it's sort of, for me, historically, it, artistically and aesthetically, I mean, it was the aesthetic movement, but it, it, to me, it has so many, um, you know, visually has so many interesting things, the beginning of Art Nouveau, but also so many characters, the Finders, the Eckler is, so this is a period of Oscar Wilde, of Aubrey Beardsley, mm-hmm. of the very first um, writings on um, homosexuality. It's a, mm-hmm. uh, it's a, it, it was, a, it, it, you got a sense it was a period at the end of, of the Victorian era when people are getting a little bit tired of, Sort of Queen Victoria, mm-hmm. you know, and the austerity, you know, not the austerity, but the sort of the sort of the high morals. And I think there was a, a sense of wanting to break out. It was a bit like the swing in sixties, mm-hmm. um, or even the sixteen sixties when mm-hmm. the, the when um, the monarchy was was um, 
came back mm-hmm. after Oliver Cromwell. So there's periods of flux, mm-hmm. periods of change. I think they do throw up mm-hmm. really exciting movements and yeah, absolutely, um, and fashions and music and yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, your queer anthem. Um, I, gosh, that's that's really thrown me. Oh, the one that sort of goes immediately in my head is "How Can I Love You More" by the M People. Um, just because I think it, for me, it it's it's so related to the early nineties, mm-hmm. a period where I think there were so many positive changes. I have no idea what that song is. Um, I've never. I've... How can I love you more? I give you a love so pure. Um, but also Go West. I think Go West is, is oh. such an upbeat song. Da, 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 da. I know that one. No, see, the, the M People one, I just don't, I've never heard that one. Oh, well, well, do 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 that's seek not, it that's out. That's not an age thing. It's just, I think the M People, I always think, um, I'm moving on. Up <laughs> yeah. <that one>. Yes, <laughs> yes. That was, I think, I think, yes, I think that was the second album. But yeah, okay. I mean, they were they were huge. I mean, they actually yeah. won, they actually won the Mercury Prize, I think. they were. I mean, they were, they they were, were very, um, you know, very, very influential and popular. See, I can't think about Heather Small now without thinking about Miranda. No, of course. Yeah. What have you done today? Make you feel proud. Absolutely. <laughs> Favourite tattoo? Um, I would have to say my my latest one, which is a peacock. Oh, awesome. Um, which is my, my the full tattoo is San, is San Sebastian, um, who has become a bit of a gay icon. And um, the, the peacock is kind of related because... Um, I think in early sort of Christian faith, they would put um, peacock feathers on the graves of people because they felt they thought that, that they would help them gravitate towards heaven quicker. Oh, wow. Um, and also the peacock is the the emblem of the aesthetic movement. So you go to these grand houses in London in yeah. um, the turn of the century and they'd have huge stuffed peacocks. It was right. all very... All very uh, Oscar Wilde and decadent. Is there colour yes. on that one? Or is uh, no, no, no. The only colour I've got is, uh, I think St. Sebastian has a white loincloth. Oh. Yes. Cool. Did it have, did that, was that painful, that one? Or? Um, I've got one there. Yes, it because sore. it was. It goes onto my elbow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, the nook. Yes. See, I've got a feather here and it goes into like <laughs> armpit territory. That was horrendous. Yes, yes. I, I, no, normally, um, uh, the tattoo artist that I, that I use, that I've used on all of I've, I've, I've done all of them. We we passed the time by singing Whitney Houston songs and, and Pink, but this was so so painful. I just laid there and gripped. The worst thing I think is when they put the alcohol gel on to keep cleaning it, and they really rub it hard when they're doing it, and you're just like mother of. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. pass it over here. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think I know the answer to this one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Tales of the city or looking, or looking. Have you ever seen Looking? No. <gasps> no. You need to watch Looking. I, I've not seen Looking. Looking is based in San Francisco. Okay. Um, uh, Jonathan Groff, um, the guy who's in Towns from the City with a moustache. Um, oh, what's, it, what's he called? He's like one of the lead characters. Michael Mouse? Possibly. He's in, Se- he in Sex and the City as well, and he was in... But Looking's amazing. T- okay, so, well, Russell well, good. Tove, Russell good. Tovey. Oh, good. Oh, well, I love Russell Tovey. Two seasons yes. and then a film yes. because they cancelled it, but it's an HBO one. It's a bit okay. like a Mouse Sex and City in okay. um, San Francisco. Oh, brilliant. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I will go home this uh, afternoon and look that up. It's really yes. worth it, yeah. Yes. Um, anything with Jonathan Groff. Yes, when you said look in, I thought my mind really went to something called Look In, which was a 1970s <laughs> annual to do with the TV show. <laughs> and I was thinking, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, check yeah. it out. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool. And again, I just, I, I need to go to San Francisco. I just, every time I see a film or 
a TV show with all the lovely hilly streets and things. I just, I need to go. Have you been? Or uh, Yes, I was one of the few places that I went where I didn't want to come back. Really? And then I think I mentioned very, just amazingly, in 2019, Armistead Mopan was in town and came to my gay pride party. Oh, wow. And he now lives in Clapham, which is where I used to live when I lived in London. So oh, I was, wow. I was, he's, um, you know, moved away from San Francisco because it's changed so yeah. much from when, yeah. when he was there. Yeah. But I... I was there in the early 90s, and to me it was it was just magical. It was yeah. to go down a street, to go down the Castro, which is what I call St. James's Street, right. um, and see Wells Fargo Bank with a huge rainbow flag outside mm-hmm. of it. In 1990, that was, that was astounding. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, now, Gay Pride, you think nothing of seeing whole right. shop windows celebrating the rainbow. But back then, it was just so uplifting and so, you know, just so thrilling yeah, to feel absolutely. that, you know, we were, um, you know, the corporates were happy to embrace absolutely um, yeah. our communities. Yeah, I need to go there. I need to go. Have you, have you been? No. So I'm looking at um, our photographer. I just say he's not part of the podcast, but <laughs> I, <laughs> forget that we're actually recording this. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, it would be, it's up there. It's, the, it's as I said, it's one of the few places that I've been on holiday where I get homesick mm. quite quickly yeah. and I just didn't. I remember sitting back. on the step. We had a place just off the Castro, and I remember sitting on the step. It was like a wooden step, mm. just like in the book. And mm. I was just, I just don't, I don't want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's your, like, I don't know, like, a, maybe you've got another adventure there to be had or something. Oh, I, th- oh, I think so. I wouldn't, definitely wouldn't rule it out. I'd love yeah. to go back to Beach Blanket Babylon, which is, the, which is in one of the films. It's okay. a, quite a famous drag show. Oh, okay. Where all these amazing sort of things come out of people's wigs and hats. Oh, amazing. And, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very, it's in the, it's in the first season, the first season. Uh, yeah. Uh, of Tales. Amazing. Amazing. Four famous people, dead or alive, you'd like to have cocktails with? Uh, E.F. Benson. Definitely. Um, I've, I would say I've already done that with Armistead Mopan, but he drank Coke, Coca-Cola for the, uh, for the whole, um, for the whole that. session. Um, and, um, so yes, yeah, so uh, EF Benson, um, really good question. I think Prince, the Prince Regent would be really fascinating. The the mm-hmm. uh, George the Fourth, mm-hmm. um, of which you know Brighton is basically um, you know yeah. here in its splendour because of mm. um, yeah he was a, a you know a renowned uh, bon vivant. Um, so yes, yeah, so George, I think Aubrey Beardsley would be really fascinating. Um, the the artist and let's see mm, madonna, madonna. yeah <laughs> let's put madonna in there i yeah. thought you might put madonna in there yeah <laughs> imagine there she'd probably have some good conversations yeah too. i think you know but i think that's that's part of why we love madonna because it's, it's the talented singer but also obviously very outspoken and mm. and, and con- has conversation i think she's quite into is she quite intellectual? I think she reads a lot and she does like a lot of history and she likes to know about things, doesn't she? And you'd probably have some quite interesting conversations with her, hmm. I think. I think Anne Lister would be absolutely fascinating. You know, the Gentleman Jack character. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not watched that, actually. Oh, that's, Is that good? Oh, it's, well, it's, 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 it's brilliant because yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those amazing historical stories where her mm. diaries were just were, were, were hidden and lost for so many mm. years and, mm-hmm. and there's realisation that... That, uh, that you know that that there was lesbianism existed and yeah. and you know there was 
It was all, all going on in... Was that Suzanne... Uh, yes. The actress, I can't think of her name. Seren? Seren Jones. Seren Jones, yes. yeah. Suzanne, mm-hmm. just rename her. Yeah, <laughs> you threw me, I was thinking, I don't think it's Suzanne, anyway, I'll go with that, I'll go with that. Yeah. So final question, mm-hmm. Brighton Pier or Stay Clear? Oh no, definitely Brighton Pier. Yeah? Absolutely. What, what's your favourite thing to do on the pier? Go to the bar in the middle and, right. wa- and watch the murmurings. Okay. The starlings. Oh, nice, okay. It's... It, it is, it has one of, the, well, if not probably the best view of Brighton. Okay. Um, it's, you know, and as you know from the novel, um, one of the most evocative um, sort of passages mm-hmm. is, is George, the lead character, standing on the pier looking at the, 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 the vista yeah. of Brighton yeah. and makes that wonderful comment, more front, more front than Brighton, mm-hmm. which I think is, uh, is you know, is, 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 if a town's going to be remembered for something, I yeah. think, you know, as a, as a, um, the, my favourite Brighton quote is, is I forget the, the person who did it, but who came up with it. It's a famous writer and just escapes me. And he said, Brighton always looks like a town that's helping the police with its inquiries. And I, <laughs> and I just, I just, I love that because you've lived there, you've lived here now for six months plus, yeah. and you can see what, what they yeah, meant. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it looks as if they've been up to no good or they're yeah, about to get up to yeah, no good. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, <laughs> a little bit naughty. What, what we do now? involved, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. what's their secret? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank I had you a so gift. much. I have a gift for you. Oh, my goodness. So um, you you didn't see me write this card at the coffee shop this morning, oh. did you? <laughs> <laughs> I did say to you, who are you thanking? And you went, oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, like, but I've, so I've made, so every guest is getting the same, but I've, I, I've chose the colour. So I chose this colour because you had a really nice... Um, like double denim navy number on when we first met face to face and ah. I thought this would go quite nice with that actually um, but I have knitted everyone a scarf oh wow um, so oh I was frantically goodness. finishing that there might be a couple of <gasps> tiny faults wow oh my god that's amazing but, I had no I, no idea what, what you were going what, where, the, where that conversation was going but this is that it's really weird right so halfway through it you've like, done this yourself some of the wool goes black and I think wow. it's where the dye has right in the middle oh there you goodness. go oh my goodness there you yeah. go. It's a nice colour. It suits you. <laughs> Stroke of bulls. <laughs> oh my goodness! That's. Let me give you. I will. When I take my headphones off, I'll give you a hug. Oh, I'll that is you. absolutely just gobsmacking. That is just amazing. Thank so you. this morning, after two and a half hours sleep, when I wow. had a shower, I had to quickly finish it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, quick! I've got a podcast <laughs> in an hour. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm very, 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 very impressed. Oh, thank you so thank much. Thank you. Oh, this won't be going out to someone. As I've said on every recording so far, people are going to be like, "Why is he giving them a scarf in July?" Like, but it's, it, it, you could probably still get away with it for a bit now. But if not for the, the autumn and the winter, that'll be nice. Yes, well, and 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 Brighton in the winter, yeah, is is lovely too. Yes, so, it is. Yes, yeah, when yeah. The, you know, I love the tourists, but when when they go walking along the the beach mm-hmm. with just a few people, it's uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very very romantic. Well, we moved here in December. December. No, November. Um, I think the second week in December, um, the weather was just amazing. It was so hot and it was just lovely. We were just like, is it really December? This is mm-hmm. crazy. So no, I completely understand what you mean. And again, when it's a bit quieter as well, it's just, it's very romantic and very lovely, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. But thank you so much for coming on thank the podcast you. and being the third guest on Queer I Am. And um, yeah, good luck with the new book. Thank and, you very I'm much. Really looking forward to reading it as well. Well, yes, yeah, so I'll come in again when the, uh, yes. when, the, when, the when season when, two when the, when the new book. Um, when is, is the new ready. book? Do you think going to be out? I I'm I'm thinking now that it's going to be January February 2023. Cool. Partly because I just one of the one of the things that I want to do differently this time was build in some extra time for me to 
come back to it when I when I think yeah. it's finished. I'd rather have that panic stress mm-hmm. thing of of knowing the deadlines looming and yep. you know and, and sort of yeah. So I think you know, this you know I'm doing this because I love doing it. I do this for joy. Yeah. You know this is not a money making venture. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So no need to put those extra. Yeah, absolutely. On, you know, let's be more Brighton. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. more chill, be more, more relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. Have another gin, make yeah. another burke. Yeah, put yourself a gin and tonic. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Darren. Thank you. Really do appreciate it. Well, that was a great conversation. It was so lovely to talk to Darren about his book and the hard work and determination that went into it. And I'm very excited to read the next instalment of The Brightonians. Also, another fab conversation about our queer community, our history and allyship. I hope you are enjoying listening to these conversations as much as I am having them. Don't forget to like this podcast, share and subscribe. You can also follow me on Instagram. My address is at Fluey Actually. Thank you so much for listening to Queer I Am, the podcast. Until next time. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.